Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Not quite to the weekend, but not far away. Thursday afternoon edition, the 7th of December. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. And of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. We're glad to be with you alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. Thanks for being with us. You can join the uh, conversation on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. Learn more at cspire.com slash business. Also, we're coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can uh, check it out in person, which is what we would recommend you do. Great place to watch games, get in on the action, good food, and just a really cool atmosphere. And if you've got uh, questions or you're curious more about them, learn more about them at pearlriverresort.com. So, great to be with you. We get a little bit of news today as it pertains to the Peach Bowl as Manny Diaz, a name that is very familiar here in the state of Mississippi, two different stints as the, as the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. He went back home and was the head coach at the University of Miami. He's been a defensive coordinator at Texas and other places and is currently or was the defensive coordinator at Penn State. Of course, Penn State is the opponent to Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl coming up on December 30th. Will Manny Diaz be there? Because he is headed for Durham as Duke's next head football coach. And on the jet? Again, Lane Kiffin uh, congratulated him on his new job and wished him well. You know, Lane Kiffin (laughs) has been a really thoughtful guy in this season of giving, this holiday season. He has been been very forthright in offering congratulations and wishing people well in their future endeavors. And what a a giving guy he is. I'll give now. Take the money line. Take it. Get a little Christmas bonus. I do love because most football coaches' mentions are filled with the worst things, especially Lane Kiffin. Like there, there sh- I think the FBI should monitor his mentions sometimes. 
just, you know, there's a couple people in there that are probably committing crimes. And anyway, um, even Penn State fans are like, you're the best. Like, this is hilarious. You know when your future opponent is calling you the best, you're doing something right. You know, when um, he he, uh, made reference, sent some pictures related to South Carolina. He sent a South Carolina golf cart yesterday. And uh, one of the responses was, "Come on, coach! You know that thing tops out at five and seven. <laughs> oh, thought that was pretty good. But then there was a South Carolina fan that was like, "Hey, it really is funnier when you do this to other teams, not my team." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I appreciate the uh, the self awareness." And I saw somebody say and they tagged Shane Beamer like, "Are you really going to let him do this?" And it's like, "What do you want Shane Beamer to do?" What do, you, what do you want Beamer to do? I mean, he's he's got Rocket Sanders visiting his campus right now. You think Shane's going to be mad that his former players are getting, I don't know. Yeah. You think, you think Shane's going to go out there and hobble in his walking boot? Because remember, he kicked something in anger and broke his foot and fight Lane Kiffin for taking a picture of a sure, golf cart? Surely that's healed by now. Surely that's he's back in, at 100% by now. It's only been a few weeks. Time flies, I know. Um, I mean, so I guess, yeah. I guess Manny Diaz is not official with uh, with Duke at this point. Um, the ESPN story says that uh, Penn State defensive coordinator Manny Diaz has emerged as the focus of the search for Duke's next football coach. Diaz has been the top target for an extended period, and a deal is expected to be finalized in the next 24 hours. That was uh, shortly after lunchtime when, uh, when that came through. So how much does that impact the game, you think? Because I've been going back and forth on it. On one hand, it's like, okay, they're losing chop. There's a chance that there's another defensive player, possibly more, uh, that opt out. So that's significant. But how much does losing your coordinator impact the, the, the game at all? Because he's really good at what he does, obviously. They've had an exceptional defense this season. But they've also played 12 games in this scheme, so how much different you know, could it possibly be at this point in a season? I'm going back and forth. I, my first thought was, oh, wow, that's big. And my second thought is, I mean, he can probably help them some, and it's not like they're going to be running something different with an understudy that's going to be calling plays in a few weeks, you know? Yeah, so like from the Ole Miss side of things, if you say, hey, would you rather Penn State have the defensive coordinator that they have had for the entire season focused on nothing but this game for the next month? Or would you rather the defensive coordinator either leave altogether or try to juggle the responsibilities of balancing a game plan with trying to put together a recruiting class? You, you would take the latter. You, you, you would prefer that all of the defensive coordinator, regardless of who it is, all of his attention is not on the job at hand. Um, but I think the bigger issue is Chop Robinson not available, and if they have any other opt-outs on the defensive side, to me that is the thing that you probably celebrate a little bit more if you are Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss than who's actually calling the plays on the defensive side. Because he's been hurt, his numbers don't pop out at you. Because I had a friend text me. He's like, why is everybody so excited about Chop not playing? And he sent me a screenshot of his stats, and I was like, buddy, he didn't play much this year. Trust me. He was going to have a dozen sacks in this game. Well, that might be a little. That many? 
<laughs> What's That's the NCAA single-game sack record? So you're that high on him. I mean, w- dude, watch his highlights. He's special. And, yeah, but I mean, and Ole Miss is like dealing Ole Miss with issues on the offensive line, too. They are, but it's not like Ole Miss hasn't faced pretty good defensive fronts and defensive players throughout the course of the season. They have. And even... In, okay, maybe not a dozen, but he would have been an absolute misery. Mississippi State did have the sack leader in the SEC playing on its defense against Ole Miss in the final game of the regular season. And he was a menace and disrupted almost everything they tried to do uh, for the entire game. So It's true. Yeah, but no, he's... he's Though Mississippi State's offense may have been more potent than Penn State's is. <laughs> You're not kidding. I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but I mean, <laughs> what a rough statement! Gosh. Yeah, I mean, I don't actually think that's true, but uh, anyway, and Manny Diaz's resume is—it's something. So he graduated from Florida State in '95. He worked as a GA at Florida State for a couple of years, then NC State. Then he was a position coach at NC State. Then he went to Middle Tennessee to be the defensive coordinator, and then Mississippi State in 2010. And then Texas, 11, 12, and 13. And he got fired from – didn't he get – was he the one that got fired from Texas yeah. right before they played Ole yeah. Miss? Uh, was it right before right after, but yeah. Oh, was, Correct. It was right before because they brought the older guy in who had like all the experience in the world. I can't so remember. So re- remember why they fired him? Because Taysom Hill went nuts. That's in- what it was. <laughs> That's how long ago that was, by the way. Taysom Hill was still in college. Um, on September 7, 2013, the Longhorns defense under Diaz gave up a school record 550 rushing yards to BYU, including 257 to Taysom Hill. The following day, Mac Brown said, Bye. Described the defensive performance as, quote, unacceptable, close quote and removed or relieved Diaz of his duties as defensive coordinator. His then defense a, is really good at Penn State. Really, really good. Yeah. He then did a year at Louisiana Tech and then went back to Mississippi State for a year and then went to Miami first as Mark Rick's defensive coordinator and then he left to go to Temple. Wasn't he at Temple for like 45 minutes? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He was hired on December 13th of 2018 at Temple as the head coach. And then when Mark Richt retired on December 30th, he was hired on January 2nd. It was, it was about two weeks. So at that point, uh, he introduced himself to the team in those two weeks, I assume, had some meetings, met with players, and called recruits. Do you have another team meeting two weeks later? Do you, yes, have, do you have to call I've, them all in and say, hey, guys, none of you it was know great. Me? We had a lot of fun, but time to go. It was great meeting you. You can take your it's name like, tags off. I, I hope you guys all logged into your group me because there's a message you need to see. I, I got to go. I'm out. Sorry. I mean, it's Philadelphia <laughs> or Coral Gables. You'd make the same decision if you were in my shoes. You can't blame me. And then it was. Uh, and if you were good enough to play at Miami, you'd be there. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then it was the the weird end at Miami, right? They didn't fire him. Like they were going to fire him following his second year, and then they didn't do it. 
And then they didn't fire him until they had a for sure answer for Mario Cristobal. And then, boom, December 6th of 21, he's out. And he went to Penn State as the defensive coordinator and appears as if he is going to be hired as the next Duke head coach. His Wikipedia page says he already has been. We're back after this. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. My favorite Christmas song, by the way. Do you guys follow Shooter McGavin <laughs> on Twitter? No, nah, I know who you're talking about, but I don't. I don't follow him now. He um, he tweeted a nice little video clip. <laughs> John Rahm is headed apparently headed to live, and they're going to pay him a lot of money. And he he just tweeted a clip from Dumb and Dumber. John Rahm driving down Magnolia Lane at the Masters next year. It's the scene where they fall out of the Lamborghini and all the presents fall on the floor. You got Jim Carrey just handed out dollar bills, just tip, tip, tip to everybody. And then he goes up the uh, up the stairs in his furry boots. So the Wall Street Journal on that on the Rom deal. I mean, hey Dad, you're not a golf guy, but this will blow your mind. Wall Street Journal reported that his deal with Liv again, Liv is not watched by anybody. Nobody. 100,000 people will watch the final round of a live event. Like, that is nobody in television. And he is getting a deal, according to the Wall Street Journal, worth up to $600 million. $600 million? Dollars. The, the, the worth up to is a little sketchy to well, me. Well, because I think it's 300 cash, and then he will have an ownership stake in a team, and that is they have a valuation attached to that. So it, I think it's 300 million, just money, and then the estimated value of ownership of one of the teams. Hmm. It's unfathomable. It's a lot of money. And I love golf, and I, I like John Rahm a lot. How, how many years on the deal? Three, I believe. It's $100 million a year is what I saw reported. Patrick Mahomes, the most... I, I mean, was going to say significantly more than Shohei Otani is going to get. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, you, would you agree? Maybe not. Some people would say LeBron. But like the biggest sports star in America right now is probably Patrick Mahomes. Right? Uh, him, yes. him or LeBron or, I mean, I guess Messi at this point is now an American. Wait, wait, wait. The biggest sports star in America? Yeah, like right the, now? The, the highest. Like, it's Travis Kelsey. Well, okay. But the, the, the best quarterback in, in the NFL has a 10-year contract worth $500 million. And that contract was like, whoa. Like, I can't believe that it's that big. And John Rahm, the golfer. Three hundred million over three, and and the cumulative audience for the games that Patrick Mahomes plays in is several hundred million, a few hundred million yes. over the course of the year, in, in terms of like eyeballs. And you're right, final round of a live tournament on the CW, mm-hmm. yeah, like a hundred grand. 
100,000. I mean, I mean the local good, Chiefs good work if you can get it. Like the local Fox broadcast and the Chiefs post game show gets 100,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Just it's monopoly money. And it's ruining the sport. Professional golf is in such a bad place because the stars are split. Half of them are playing in a goofy format that nobody watches. And the traditional realm has fewer recognizable stars. So the fields are saturated, and half the best players are on a platform that nobody cares to see. It's 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 sad what is happening. And the only yeah. news is mergers and litigation and the Saudis and how sketchy they are. And it's not about how great the sport is. And that that's... That sucks. Um, so a couple of things on this. Mark Schleyball at ESPN writes a little bit different story than what the Wall Street Journal wrote. He says the deal is believed to be longer than three years, is worth more than $300 million, and will include an ownership stake for Rom in a new Live Golf team. Live Golf is recruiting additional PGA Tour players to fill out the roster of Rom's team. PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan and Yasir Al-Rumayan, who's the governor of the PIF, are scheduled to meet next week. The PIF has spent more than $3 billion funding the Live Golf League the past two seasons. The framework agreement for the merger-ish, I mean, basically a merger of, of Live and the PGA Tour, uh, is set to expire on December 31st, and Jay Monahan called the date a firm deadline last week. It gives Monahan authority to determine the future of Live Golf, which has struggled to gain a foothold in the U.S., but has generated significant interest in Australia, Singapore, Spain, and other countries. Love being golf, popular in Singapore. I mean, look, golf is... I mean, it's, it's almost being like being popular in Nepal. Yeah. Hey, number one's number one. You take number one wherever you can get it. There's no question. You're right about that. But golf has devolved into the four majors and the Ryder Cup, of which the live guys were not allowed to participate, and the players, and a couple of other big events. But now there's no more ROM. Just one fewer person in, in that. I mean, how can a sport be healthy when only four times a year its best players participate? Yeah. Well, and the problem that the PGA Tour is is trending toward pretty quickly is not being able to pay what they have been paying to their current players. Yeah. And what is $4 billion to the Saudis? It's like me dropping a quarter on dropping the ground the on accident. Yeah. Ow. And if they need more, they just pump more oil. And the thing is, they don't need more. <laughs> they don't need it. They just... That the accounts are so wealthy, they just auto-generate. Yeah, and, and well, yes, they do. And then the other piece of it is that, you know, part of... Uh, this is, like, down a road that I know most people don't care about. If you've read much about the Saudis under the, the leadership, under the rule of MBS, even though he's not technically the crown prince yet, or maybe he's the crown prince, but not the... I can't remember. I don't follow it on a daily basis, but I have read a good bit about it. But under MBS, like the, the leadership 
it's been this huge push to diversify the financial interests of the kingdom beyond just oil. And so they've got, I mean, massive stakes in global companies that run the gamut. Like, they've got stakes in Google and Disney and Amazon, and they probably own a portion of Tesla. And yeah. Genuine question. Yeah. When does that portfolio involve college football? You can't ignore how popular college football is. <sighs> to me, the problem with that is, in, in, in terms of diversifying their investment portfolio, they are diversifying in areas where they believe they can get a return on their investment. It's not just, hey, we own a bunch of this stuff. It's, we've bought into this so that we can make money off of it. I'm still not sure how you get a return by investing in college football. Because, Borgie, I feel like if, okay, it's easy to say, well, wait till the Saudis grab a stake in college football. Never mind the Saudis for a second. Why have hedge funds not already invested in college football? Why have private equity groups not already bought stakes, if you will, into an athletics department? And we thought that that was we were trending toward that. You know, there were some stories about that. Yeah, I think it was over the summer, maybe last spring. But but my question is, how do you generate return on that? If if private equity company A says hey, I want to be an investor in Mississippi State football, and we are going to inject $100 million into Mississippi State athletics. Hey, Dad's like, yes, let's do it. Problem is, when private equity invests in a company, they don't want... Excuse me, they don't want an 8 or 9% rate of return or a 10% rate of return like you would get in index funds or the stock market or the NASDAQ or whatever over an extended period of time, they want 30 and 40% returns. And they're willing to wait a little while, but they're not willing to wait a long time for that. So it goes back to my original question. If a private equity group invested $100 million for, let's just say, a, Let's call it a 30% stake in Mississippi State Athletics. I don't know if those numbers even make sense. Well, they want a return on that investment. How do they get it? Because athletics departments are not operating currently in a way where it's about generating revenue. They're operating in a way where they spend every single dollar they have every single year. Like Just in my head, I'm hearing Alabama football presented by... Aramco? And, and how valuable that could be. Or maybe but, but it's not. How? I mean, like, okay, the, the association with the brand, there's value there, but how do you get actual money back out of that? I, I don't know the answer. Because it's not just a marketing agreement. Sports Talk Mississippi, we're back with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
We're South Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. Not to belabor the point um, on the live and how that turned into, you know, Saudi investment into college football. Somebody, it's pretty pretty good text here. The value is in sports washing, rehabbing their reputation. So much of what the Saudis have done, people refer to as sports washing, that they are trying to buy their way into like normal and polite society, whatever that is. And, and so, yeah, I guess if Borky, I'll just stick with the Aramco example, Alabama football presented by Aramco, if that makes the Saudis' image better in the United States that leads to other business opportunities, then maybe that's the return on investment. That maybe maybe that's where the value is. I don't know. I mean they're they're doing that with golf right now, right? I mean there there's absolutely there they are billions in the hole on live, and that's not getting any better. They can sign John Rom. People are still not gonna watch it. It's a goofy unserious format that doesn't get played often. It's not going to do well domestically. But other than Brandel Chambly shouting from the rooftops, who's really beating the Saudis or evil drum anymore? Now it's just like, eh, live. Just just another golf entity. Exactly. Which so th- kind of so means working. that their strategy is working. And I, I, I promise you, just like everything else, right? Because we talked about it after old Miss hired Chris Beard. And I know Chris Beard is not the Saudis. Okay, but hear me. The news cycle lasted 24 hours, right? (laughs) It's one of those where you better hope people are listening carefully. They are. But the news. My ears perked up when you started down this way. Let's go. It was not received well nationally, was it? Ole Miss got heavily criticized. They did. Whether you think it was justified or not, it's true. Ole Miss was heavily criticized for it. They're undefeated. They beat Memphis. And what was the national reaction? Wow, look at Chris Beer. He's got old Miss rolling. And look, I watched, um, I don't even remember which game it was. I think Kevin Fitzgerald was doing the game. So it was a, uh, like there was a 30-second segment of the broadcast where he just recounted the timeline and they moved on and nothing else was said. That, that, that's how it's going to be moving forward. Now, student sections are going to say stuff in SEC play or whatever, but the point is the attention span on what the media and stuff viewed as something bad disappeared. It's already gone. And now Ole Miss is winning games and the fans are excited and the team is bought in and like full steam ahead. Same phenomenon would happen there. Maybe not as quickly, but... When they eventually buy the entire professional golf space, which I still think is going to happen regardless of what goes on in Congress, if they end up doing that, the people that care are going to stop caring very shortly thereafter. And and maybe you think that's right and fine or awful and terrible, but the, the point is we care very little about stuff that doesn't directly impact us. It just it goes away, and we move on and focus on the new thing that shows up, and especially when it comes to sports, it just goes away in a flash. And so, yeah. Unrelated, completely unrelated, other than you were talking about Chris Beard anecdotally. 
they've gotten serious about trying to get people in the stands. And whether this push is coming for Chris Beard or the marketing department or whatever. So I just got an email from the Oxford School District. Dear parents, each Oxford School District student can claim a free ticket to the following men's basketball games during the holidays. Troy at Ole Miss, Tuesday, December 19th at 6 p.m. Bryant at Ole Miss, Sunday, December 31st, 3 p.m. Click the link below to claim and redeem your tickets. They will be available for pickup at gate five. I mean, that email just went out to 3,000 parents that live in Oxford. If they get 300 kids, they get 100 kids between the ages of, what, pre-K and seniors in high school to take them up on that. It just it feels like there's, okay, one, there's goodwill. Two, there is a legitimate effort to get people in seats at the game. And three, you're getting a kid on campus that might not would have otherwise. And and that third point is, I think, the most important. And I hope that stuff like that continues because, I mean, we talk all the time about how games are getting more and more expensive. There are people that never have been able to go to begin with. I've got got a friend, uh, a friend in high school, um... His first major sporting event that he ever got to go to in his life was after he spent two years in the Air Force Reserves to pay to go to community college so he could pay to go to South Carolina completely and totally on his own. You can probably catch my drift of how he grew up. His first major sporting event that wasn't at our high school that he ever went to was his junior year of college. He won the ticket lottery to go to a South Carolina football game. Wow. And, I mean... There are more people like that than you know. And so giving them a chance to, to go see a, a, a major sporting event at a young age is, is opportunities that aren't given enough, I think. Hey, Ned, you, you and I have not talked extensively about this. I think you've alluded to it in the past. I've alluded to it in the past. You, you got to go to some games as a kid. You went to a bunch of Jackson games growing up. Yeah. We, we, we moved to Oxford when I was... Eight years old, November of 1988. So 89 was kind of the first football season that we lived in Oxford for. And look, I, I grew up in a family. I, I never wanted for anything in my life, and I will forever be grateful for that. But it, it was not, we were not anywhere close to what you would call upper class and didn't buy, well, you know, season tickets, tickets to games weren't necessarily in the budget. We would go to games at halftime, not all the time, but sometimes would go at halftime when you could get in free. And a couple of years after that, early 90s, I got to go to Ole Miss football games because I was an usher at the games. And they paid $5. You were you were supposed to man your station through the end of the first quarter, or maybe it was halftime, I don't know. And you wore this little yellow vest, and you stood at the portals, and you directed people to their seats, and they gave you $5, which at the time was enough for a personal pan pizza and a Coke at the game. It was such a win. So I worked for a quarter, I got a pizza and a Coke, and I got to watch the rest of an SEC football game. It was phenomenal. I sold Cokes for some of those games. You could actually make pretty decent money doing that. I mean, it's kind of a sticky, gross job. But carrying those metal trays with a strap around the deal or a rope around it around your neck and, you know, ice-cold Cokes running up and down the... Anyway, it's a great point, Borky. 
Not everybody grows up that way. And we probably take it for granted more than anybody. I do. I do. But I have as fond of memories of them handing me a $5 bill and a yellow vest to go into a game as I do of standing on the 50-yard line holding a microphone for the pregame coin toss. And who would have who would have believed that the you know eleven year old Richard would be doing that one day? There's nothing like the magic of walking into a stadium as a kid. You can't beat it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and at the time too, like I went to, you know, I, I say I grew up on Furman games. There's four or five thousand people at some of these games, and that felt like, I mean, like the entire world was in the same stadium that I was when you're eight, nine, ten years old. You know, it just feels like the biggest thing ever, and. Uh, I'll never forget that feeling. Like, I still feel it when I walk into stadium sometimes. Hey, Dad, do you remember your first game? I do. I do. Uh, Southern Mississippi 7, Mississippi State 6. That's for a long time the highest attended game in the state of Mississippi. Two top 25 teams playing in Jackson. You didn't walk away that day jaded, though. You didn't walk away going, okay, this is what I'm in for for a lifetime. I've, t- I've talked about it before. I didn't see State win a game live until I was 15. So I, I, was, I was really bad luck. Uh, mm. I think the, the, the first game that I remember going to, I'm not 100% sure that it was my first game, but the first one that I remember going to was Old Miss Memphis. In 1990, and it was the first night game. It was the first game after they put the lights in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. And, you know, they had the, the Let There Be Light t-shirts that that went along with that game and, and the whole deal. So, uh, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Great to be with you this afternoon. Um, we got Transfer Portal stuff to talk about. We, we will continue to uh, get into that. We've also got a conversation coming up later this afternoon that I think you're going to enjoy. Clay Cromwell is a former Oxford High School football and track star who's now the starting defensive tackle for the Naval Academy. Had a great visit with him earlier this morning. That's coming up on the Farm Bureau guest line a little bit later. Communication system is a go. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of this radio program. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. You can also find Genteel inside men's specialty stores across the state of Mississippi and the entire southeast, including at uh, Harry Meyer Clothier, uh, Clothier in Meridian, uh, Landry's in Oxford, SF Aldman in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia, 
the country gentlemen in Greenville and Kincaid's in Ridgeland. Be sure to check them out. They've got great holiday gift ideas, whether it's golf shirts or long sleeve button up shirts. I got one of these on today, and it's like uh, it's almost like a performance material in the long sleeve uh, button up shirt and uh, outerwear as well. Great stuff at Genteel. We love it. We promise that you will too. Genteelapparel.com. Uh, hey, Ned. So I saw a graphic. Tulane Griffin is declared for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Did I see that he has been invited to participate in the East-West Shrine Bowl? Yeah, yeah, it was came from Mississippi Correct. State football earlier today. That's cool for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, big big deal, big opportunity. What, what does his future look like? Is he making an That's a good question. God, I did it again. Uh, Thanks. Go ahead, say it. There you go. Thanks. Um, I don't know if he's if he's drafted. I mean, he just he had one great game as a receiver, right? Now it was it's the greatest game in Mississippi State history. He set a single game record for for receiving yards. He looked really good in that game. But you know, over a four year period, did you ever see anything from Tulu Griffin other than flashes of man? If they could get the guy, this guy the ball more. Now I put some of that on the coaching staff. You know, Leach had him playing out of position, and this year with Barbe's offense, nobody could get anything going. But I don't think he gets. I don't think his return prowess is enough to get him drafted. But I think it's enough to get him some some good looks in a camp, and you know maybe a roster spot if he can show that he can do those kind of things at the at the next level. He needs to be a little bit better punt returner because you know in the NFL there's just not a lot of kickoff returns nowadays, and it just goes out of the back of the end zone. You take the touchback, but if you can return punts, you got something going there. You know, there are certain guys that have the ability to just say no to these all-star games, the the Reese Senior mm-hmm. Bowl, the East-West Shrine game. But for a guy mm-hmm. like Tulu Griffin, man, the, the week around that game feels like it will be of massive importance. Because yes. you, you get coaching leading up to the game from NFL people. I don't know exactly what the setup is in terms of coaching for the East-West Shrine game. But you've got scouts there, and obviously the players are being worked out. These games are not so much about the game. They're about the evaluation opportunity for NFL franchises. And so a guy like Tulu Griffin, who doesn't have – I mean, his tape's fine. I mean, the, the ability is just going to pop off the video screen. But the consistency's not, to your point. And so what can he show that week? Can he show that he's a good route runner? Can he show the ability to consistently get separation from defensive backs? Can he show explosiveness? Can he show great hands? Can he show the ability to to be really coachable? Maybe I'm crazy, but I I just feel like Tulu is a guy that could play himself into being drafted if he has an exceptional week at the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the talent's there for sure. The the value of that game and that week for Tulu Griffin potentially is immeasurable. And there are a lot of other guys that fall into that category as well. But look, he's not going to be yeah. I mean he he's certainly not going to be the only guy that's trying to do that in that setting. I mean look, 
just an example because it's a guy that I saw three times this year. Luke McCaffrey is playing in the East-West Shrine game. That's Luke McCaffrey, younger brother of Christian McCaffrey, son of Ed McCaffrey, pretty good NFL pedigree. But you remember Luke McCaffrey went to college as a quarterback at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And then he yes. transferred to Rice and made the switch to receiver and was phenomenal, but there are not a ton of reps there. He's going to... He's a, a guy that will be in the same position group as Tulu Griffin trying to impress scouts and improve draft stock. And everybody that goes to those games believes that they're good enough to get to the NFL. And the truth of the matter is not that many of them are. It's, uh, yeah. it's crazy. Hey, I've got something for us to take a look at. The Athletic did a really cool story yesterday. And we talk about stars matter and five-star this and four-star that and whatever. They took the top 100 players from 2009 to 2018 and did a deep dive into those numbers and showed you by position group how many actually and what percentage made it to the NFL. Well, take a look at that. Pretty pretty cool stuff there. Sports Talk Mississippi. whole lot more to get to with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. What we're going to do right here is go back. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Four o'clock hour. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. It's dancingrabbitgolf.com. You you can book your tee time at the aforementioned dancingrabbitgolf.com or give them a call. Plan your trip uh, and a, a great gift idea. For the golfer in your life, if you don't want to try and get equipment or golf balls or the right bag or the right shirt or whatever, get them a thing that will always fit. Let's say a gift certificate to play golf at the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad with you. You can join the conversation on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer-inspired. If you remember... It was the Senior Bowl that put Dak Prescott on the Cowboys' radar. He may have been on their radar, but it was the week of practice that showed off his potential. Hey, Dan, I don't specifically remember that week with Dak. What do you remember about that? And that's just pretty close to accurate. You know, I mean, he had a, he'd had a great career here at Mississippi State, and there was a lot of talk about his NFL future. Um, and he went over to the Super, the, the uh, Senior Bowl there and put on a, a pretty good show. And that's like I said, got him some buzz, uh, especially with the Cowboys, who you know were coming into that draft looking for a young quarterback. And uh, I don't remember if the Cowboys' coaching staff was involved there or not, but it, I do remember, yeah, that, that 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 performance there sort of launched him into the fourth round, and it's you know it's taken off ever since. So much value in those games. Yeah. Uh, real quick too. I mean, this uh, just happened within the last few minutes. 
Um, and there will be more for every team, but we have a couple of portal... Uh, not a, I guess additions is the right word. Guys that hit the portal from State, Corey Ellington and DeCarlos Nicholson, both uh, have put their names in the transfer portal in the last 10 minutes. Does that mean anything, Hayda? I mean, State needs secondary help. They needed it before those two guys were there, and now they need it even more. Fair. So expect them to be act very active on the defensive side of the ball when the transfer portal. Say we get 108 tackles, if I'm doing the math correctly, combined this year. Did we get confirmation, like final confirmation on the Matt Barnes hire? We have not. We haven't gotten final confirmation from Mississippi State on the Coleman uh, Hutzler hire. There has not been an official announcement from the university yet. Not even a Twitter graphic? Nope. Don't you love when those go out like two days later and you're like, breaking! Yeah, like Mississippi State has added. Guys. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, hmm. What does this weekend, hey, Dad, look like for Mississippi State from a recruiting standpoint? We are close. What, I think I heard you say on Thunder and Lightning on the radio last night, hosted by Brian Hey, Dad, it's available to you on Wednesdays after Sports Talk Mississippi. I think I heard you say last night, 13 days until yes. National Signing Day. So we're now 12. Today is, yeah. yeah, thir- No, 13 today. It's, it's two Wednesdays from now. So, uh, yeah. Uh, State bringing in a big chunk of its high school class. Most of its commitments will be there. Uh, four big, uncommitted uh, high school prospects for State this weekend. Uh, three of them wide receivers. Stonka Burnside from Starkville, uh, San Francisco McGee from uh, uh, Macomb, and um, Who Mario Craver. from Ole Miss. The recently decommitted from Ole Miss. Guy with a great And name. Mario Craver from, uh, yeah. Got a great. Uh, he's from uh, from Alabama, Clay Chalkville High School. I don't know what city that's in. Um, State's also expecting Daniel Hill, the All American, All Everything athlete out of Meridian, uh, to be on campus, and that's a guy who State has been pursuing and pursuing and could never get him on campus. And now that Jeff Levy has arrived, uh, he's at least willing to come to campus and listen to Jeff Levy and and get that pitch. That's big for Mississippi State. Michael Van Buren will be on campus this weekend, the quarterback out of Maryland. Uh, the four-star quarterback who just decommitted from Oregon. As soon as he decommitted, he had a Mississippi State offer in hand and it set up this visit pretty quickly. All of State's eggs are kind of in the basket for him at the quarterback position. If he's if he's not interested in the, from the high school perspective, uh, that's that's that they need to get him uh, in this weekend if they can. The big visit though is going to be uh, this Monday when that's when Dylan Gabriel is scheduled to come to Mississippi State. Now. He is scheduled to be at Oregon, I believe, starting today. They wanted to get that visit started early because Lanning is scheduled to go to New York this weekend for the Heisman Trophy ceremony with Bo Nix. Uh, but Gabriel is, is at Oregon this weekend, and then he is scheduled to be at Mississippi State on Monday. Obviously, he could make that visit to Oregon, like what he sees, and decides to commit there. But if all goes according to plan, he'll be on campus for Mississippi State next weekend, and Jeff Levy can make a pitch to his quarterback to, to bring him in out of the transfer portal. Is there any sense of optimism, pessimism, etc., in terms of I, I, getting Dylan Gabriel on campus? 
I think there's some excitement because he's committed to a visit. Now, like I said, you got you got to survive the weekend with Oregon, but you know, uh, earlier today there were reports saying, "Well, Mississippi State's out; he's focused on Oregon." And then it gets confirmed by twenty four seven that uh, he is going to be making that that trip to campus. So, you know, I think I think it's just like anything else in recruiting. You know, you can't feel good about anybody until they visit. You know, no, nobody is going to commit to somebody sight unseen. But if they can get him on campus and get him to sit down with Jeff Lebby, a coach that he obviously has this great relationship with, you got to feel decent about Mississippi State's chances there. I also feel good that I think Dylan Gabriel has a good relationship, a good enough relationship with Jeff Lebby that there won't be any string along, right? There'll be, you know, coach, I'm in, or coach, I'm out, and you can move on to the next guy if that's the case. Doesn't feel like he just makes a courtesy visit. Right, right. Like if he goes to Oregon and feels great about it, and is like, you know, I feel like I owe it to Coach Levy to go sit down with him or visit with him. I mean, it, it feels like time could be saved for everybody if he makes his decision over the weekend. It feels like he would pick up the phone and call Jeff Levy and be like, Coach, I, I don't want to waste your time. Now, maybe yeah, Jeff Levy says... I think he'll says, just commit. Yeah, I would say maybe Jeff Levy says, you're not wasting my time. Come here and see it before you make your decision. Maybe he does that, or maybe he's mm-hmm. like, I hear you. Thanks for being straight up with me. We'll mm-hmm. all move on. I wish you nothing but the best. Right. So, yeah, that, I think that's the plan. And then they'll bring in a, they've, they've got some other prospects they want to bring in starting next weekend if Gabriel were to, uh, to not be interested. I, I do like one of how- which I hope, I, I hope, sta- I would like State to get the, ne- the next guy just for, because I think he's a good football player. But I'm going to have to pronounce his last name correctly if that occurs. I think you know uh, who we're talking about. We're talking about DJ Uyangalile. That's him. Oh, and I said today on, on the Thunder and Lightning, I said that today on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, if he commits to Mississippi State, I will commit to learning how to say his name correctly. Where else is he considering? I know that Florida State is one I think he's interested in. I don't know if they've scheduled anything with him just yet. I think they're trying to get into the Cam Ward sweepstakes. Um, them and everybody else. I think Miami world. was another name. Yeah, Miami was another spot that he he might have been he might be interested in. But I, he is interested in Mississippi State. He knows what the Jeff Levy offense can can do for a quarterback, and I think he's an interesting fit. I know he's got the arm strength. I know that's that's not a question. Uh, you know he's got he's got some mobility. Big kid, obviously, from a recruiting standpoint, to be the highest-rated quarterback State's ever signed. And this was a kid. This was the number one high school prospect in America his senior year uh, of high school when he went to Clemson, and has put up. I mean, the last two years combined, he's thrown for over five thousand yards, forty touchdowns to fourteen interceptions. I mean, it's just has it hasn't been otherworldly or anything. But I mean, what is State last year if they get twenty five hundred yards, twenty touchdowns, and seven picks? Out of Will Rogers. Well, and he was better than you know, that I mean, too in his one year at Oregon State. Getting out from under Dabo really helped him. Yeah, he had a much better year last year than he than he did is his one year as the the full unquestioned starter at uh at Clemson. So that's that's I think that's option B. Option C might be Kyle McCord. They're looking. They 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 they've, they've gauged his interest. We'll see. But if you're Mississippi State, you know, you'd like it to not get past Dylan Gabriel if, if it's possible. So, not the story that I referenced earlier, but the um, 
the Athletic has a story that's tracking quarterbacks in the transfer portal and you know what they might look. There's a, a line in the story, uh, and this kind of echoes what Matt Rule said uh, a week or two ago. The going rate for a guy who's going to go in day one or day two of the draft is $1.5 million, said one Power 5 general manager. Interesting that they refer to them that way. This year it might go to $2 million just because there's less people and competition. And he points out the fact that, you know, fewer people, a lot of competition, and oh, by the way, Jaden Daniels transfer, Bo Nix transfer, Michael Penix Jr. transfer, all Heisman Trophy finalists. It works. And it's worked quite well for a lot of guys. We're back with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. All right, hey, Dad, I got daily trivia for you. You ready? Oh, sure, yeah. Who is the only number one overall recruit from 2000 through 2018 not selected in the NFL draft? The only number one overall recruit by any major service from 2000 through 2018, that was not selected in the NFL draft. Man. That's a good um, one. Yeah, I'm trying to, I mean, I'm. it's got to be somebody a little older. Shea Patterson. No, Patterson wasn't number Maybe one he's overall. not number one overall. He was never at any point number one on any service? Mm-hmm. No. Nah. Not number one no. overall. Nope. Five stars. Um, not number one. I don't know. Does the name Trenton Thompson ring a bell? Not that long ago, yes. 2015. Trenton yeah. Thompson was a defensive tackle in the class of 2015 who played at Georgia. He did not have a catastrophic injury. He did not get into trouble with the law off the field. He played three years at Georgia with 16 starts and just never really panned out. This story at The Athletic says, while he is the only number one recruit who failed to develop into a draft pick, he is far from the only can't-miss prospect who missed. So looking at 2009 through 2018, of the 100 recruits who ranked in the top 10 in their respective class during this 10-year span, 70 of those 100 were eventually drafted. And only 31 were taken in the first round. Think about that for a second. So you take a 10-year window starting in 2009 of the top 100 players, and then you take the top 10 players out of each of those 10 classes. So you've got a you've got a pool of 100 players, and only 31, 31 percent. 
were drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, only half of five stars get drafted at all. And that is. Which is, no, you say only half. That's a pretty good hit percentage. You get the the Hall of Fame going 500. Yeah. yeah. Four stars are 20, three stars are five, give or take a few percentages on a given year. But it's 50, 20. People like to use the. People like to use the actual number, and they they don't ever put the context of there's a hundred thousand three star players and thirty five stars every year. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you so out of that group of one hundred players, one hundred top ten players over mm-hmm. a ten year window, three of the thirty that went undrafted were quarterbacks. See if you remember these guys. You will. Patterson's got to be in there. Russell Shepard was the number three overall player in 2009. Went to LSU. Converted to receiver. Yeah. He was very quickly. Shea Patterson was the number four player in 2016. And Kyle Allen was the number eight player in 2014 at Texas A&M. So Shepard was a dual-threat prospect who moved to wide receiver shortly after arriving on campus. Patterson played two years at Ole Miss, two years at Michigan, before being selected number one overall, this story says, in the 2022 USFL draft. There you go. And Kyle Allen ended his career at Houston and made the uh, Carolina Panthers as an undrafted free agent. Do you realize that Kyle Allen has been in the NFL for six years now? He started games for the Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. He has. Well, I mean, so could have you if you had been on the roster. It's been a bit of... No, you remember a few years ago when we were talking about the Panthers and I, I said they're probably not too far away from calling me to see if I can play offensive line for them? And you you shot that down. Oh, I did, didn't I? Well, I didn't think you yeah. could play offensive line for them. Quarterbacks are different. I, I, said, I said I would be like their 300,000th call. Yeah, what was the number we threw out? That was a great off-season conversation. It was like, oh, how many it was people it was did they pick like, before you? What was the number we landed on? I think it was like 300,000, something like that. Something like that. Hmm. Yeah. Before they were finally like, all right, let's see what Haydak can do. Top 100 quarterbacks to the NFL draft over this 10-year window. All right, so all of the quarterbacks that were top 100 players over the course of those 10 seasons. You had 72 of them. Nine of them went in the first round. Deshaun Watson is included in that group. Two in the second round, four in the third round, five in the fourth, five in the fifth, four in the sixth, none in the seventh. And 43 top 100 quarterbacks coming out of high school went undrafted. Mm. It's really hard to get to the NFL. Yeah, I, I hear or I see that a lot from college football fans. Like, oh, that guy's going to play in the NFL. It's like, no, really good college player does not equal NFL player. And sometimes, not great college players work out and find their way to the NFL. It's crazy. Yeah. And then one final nugget from this story. So most likely to get to the NFL and be a first rounder. It's still the top 10 guys. Over that 10-year window, 31 players out of 100 who were top 10 in their class were first-round draft picks. Yeah. 
Let me guess. Did defensive you say how line. How many were drafted overall? Say what? Does it say how many were drafted overall? Yeah, there are a bunch of charts in this. I got to go back to the. All right, so that's probably closer to like seventy percent or something like that. Um. All right, top one hundred players. So we're talking about a thousand players total. Uh, they break it down by position. So what position are you interested in? Well, let's just, I mean, I was thinking about all of them, but let's, I mean, let's just stay with, let's go defensive line. That's where a lot of top players come out of every year. That's, that's a, always a premium. All right. So defensive end, there were mm-hmm. 110 players out of those 1,000 total that were top 100 players at the defensive end position. 66 mm-hmm. of them were drafted. That's a 60% draft rate, and 17 of them were first good picks. Yeah, Pretty good. And one of those non seventeen one of those non seventeen first rounders is Chris Jones. You're right. Sure is. In fact, defensive end is the highest percentage first round draft pick um out of all the positions. Okay. I can believe okay. That. All right. So sixty percent of them were drafted out of the top one hundred. Only 15.5% of them were first-round picks. You had 17 first-round defensive ends out of the top 100 when they transitioned from high school to college. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. So, uh, Ceasefire text line, has there ever been a high school player drafted? No, the NFL doesn't allow The that. NFL? No. Yeah, the NFL doesn't allow that. I remember Maurice than... Claret tried to sue and stuff, and that didn't work. Could he have no. made the jump? No. He, could, he wasn't even a good pro after a few years of college. No. Can you think of a a college football player, Laramie Tunsil, that if they had gone from high school straight to no. the NFL? Oh, be, high school to the NFL? No, one no, year. No, no. Hi, high school straight to the NFL. Where there's one guy that it's popping up, Derrick Henry. Yeah, he was pretty good from the jump in college. His carries were limited because he was behind. Yeah, but he's just such a physical freak. Like you go way back, to like maybe like an Earl Campbell, Marcus Dupree. You just let him go straight to the pros. Maybe it's interesting you went to all running backs. I just feel like that's a position where if you, you there's a lot of, of natural strength in those positions. You know, and then when you put them into a good program, they'll be fine. But you know, you've got speed receiver. I mean, could Moss have just gone straight to the NFL? Probably. Calvin Johnson. We're, we're talking about seventeen-year-olds. Yeah, that's what why you, a, you said Tunsil. Seventeen, eighteen-year-old Julio Jones. Yeah, maybe. Maybe been very raw. That's the problem is that these guys were been so raw. They don't make much of an impact as a rookie, but maybe yeah. physically they would have been okay. That's when you, when you said Tunsil, I was like, no chance. A lineman would have no chance. I mean, you're talking about trying to block men. You can't do that. You need the college experience there. Somebody suggests Leonard Fournette. That's that's another one. It's just so different. Those three years are vital. What what did what did Javon Curse look like when he first stepped on campus at Florida? A freak. I kind of put that one on a T for you. 
Yeah. I mean, I was trying to think about I was trying to think about some of those defensive ends. You know, is it edge rusher guy? I don't know. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We got more with you coming up right after this. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. America's game comes your way this Saturday. It's Army and Navy at 2 o'clock on CBS. Had a chance to catch up with one of the guys that will be playing in that game for the Naval Academy. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. If you're watching on supertalk TV, it looks a little bit different because full disclosure, we are recording this at uh, eight o'clock central time on Thursday morning. Uh, honored to be joined by Clay Cromwell, who is a defensive tackle at the Naval Academy. He is entering his senior year. This will be the third Army Navy game, Navy Army game that he has played in. And he's kind enough to spend a few minutes with us. Four years, I would, from my perspective, four years goes by in a, in a hurry. What about when you are at the academy? Does it go fast, Clay? It does. It may not seem like it initially, but uh, it definitely has gone by really quickly. Uh, a common saying is the days are long, but the weeks are short. Uh, and somehow that's true. It's turned out to be true. It's, it's hard to believe I'm, I'm at the, you know, my last game. It really is incredible. Um, for people that don't know, you are from Oxford, Mississippi. Won a 2019 state championship with the Oxford Chargers. Go Chargers. Um, but also were a track and field guy. Um, c- could you run the hurdles right now if you had to? Uh, <laughs> as much as I'd like to think I could, I don't think so. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been on the track, but uh, you know, I've changed a little bit, you know. I it's nice to think about though that I could do that at one point. And and the hair is a little different than it was then also, right? It's it's a little bit shorter. I just had it buzzed all the way down recently, uh for the Marine Corps. And so I found out that's what I'm gonna be able to do when I graduate. So I also saw in your bio, and this is impressive, especially for somebody in me who was always looking for a way not to go to school. You didn't miss a single day of school in high school. Is that, is that true? I think so. Yeah, I don't think I've missed uh, or I, I didn't miss any school in high school, probably because my mom's a teacher. Uh, when I went, she was still a teacher at the high school, so I probably had something to do with it. Let's talk family just for a second. Um, you have a military background uh, in your family. How much did that play into your decision to go to the academy? And if you don't mind, just Take us back to the recruiting process when when you were playing football, running track at Oxford, and then you you end up at the Naval Academy. Yeah, well, I guess your first question, my my dad, uh, he served in the Marine Corps for his career. He he actually didn't go to the Naval Academy, but uh, I always knew that I would probably try to serve in the military at some point. And then as I started playing football, really like started playing varsity football like halfway through my junior year of high school I, I literally joined the team after like the fifth game um and then you know played and i was like okay i want to try to play college which is kind of late in the game to decide to do that yeah. but um it worked out and just looking at some schools and i was like well it just makes perfect sense if i'm gonna try to serve anyway and then navy plays great football so it just made sense for me to come here 
It certainly has been incredible. So 2020 was your first year, and that was a really strange year for everybody. Navy had no football in 2020, right? We did. We played football. We we played, I think, 12 games, actually. But, uh, okay. it was but, very but everything different. else was basically on, on lockdown, and you didn't play in 2020. But then 21, 22, and, and this year, you've been on the field every game as a defensive lineman. That's correct. Yes, sir. All right. So these last two years uh, in particular, um, or, or maybe I really should, maybe I should go back to your first year because that was a win against Army. Last year, the the heartbreaking uh, double overtime loss, and now this one, this specific game, try to help us understand what it means at the Academy. Well, I guess to go back to 2020, when we were uncertain of what was going to happen, we knew we were going to play one game, and that was this game. So when games were getting canceled and whatnot, you know, we could always practice for Army. So and that gives you the idea of, you know, what it means. That That's a little bit. But as a player, I mean, there's, you know, I think a, a really big personal thing for me, it's like uh, we wear patches on our uniform that you can pick and what that represents. Uh, and this year I, I got to wear, I, I had chosen to wear uh, the Brendan Looney patch, which like if you learn anything about him, he played football and lacrosse here actually. And unfortunately he, he was killed in Afghanistan in 2010. He was a, a Navy SEAL. But, um, it's kind of, that's like the gravity of it. Like guys like that played in this game. And for me personally, that's a tremendous honor and a huge deal. Have you gotten to the point yet where you have uh, made your selection for, for where you would like to go post-graduation? Yes. I'm going to be a Marine officer when I graduate. Did you, have you known that all along? Has that been your plan all along or did you kind of keep that under your vest and then get to share that with your dad at, at some point knowing that that was the path he took? He knew all along. I, I, a lot of my, it's very common for people here to like come in wanting to do one thing and they change their mind very frequently just as they learn more about it. But I've always been set on that and, uh, I'm glad I, you know, stuck with it and was able to, you know, accomplish that. We're visiting with Clay Cromwell. He's from Oxford, Mississippi, played football at Oxford High School. He's the starting defensive tackle for the Naval Academy coming up on uh, Army-Navy this weekend. And it's being played in a, in a new spot. It's been a really long time since it's been played in Boston. You guys are going to be at the Meadowlands. Um, I think it's Jonathan Kraft, Robert Kraft's son, who said that this is the hottest ticket in the history of the stadium including Patriots in the AFC Championship game and Taylor Swift this summer. It's wild. Yeah, I was uh, you know, really surprised to see that. I mean, because, you know, Tom Brady, Taylor Swift. <laughs> hey, Navy football is right up there. It's, uh, it, it's right up there. Um, have you given much thought to what it's going to feel like when you run on the field for this game for the last time? Man, I've been thinking about it a lot, actually, and, and going back and watching Army Navy games. And when you show the teams running out, like the flyovers, like it's it's a huge like adrenaline rush, but it's awesome and it's hard, you know, not to miss that, you know. But embrace it. This one last time. On a on a slightly more serious note, I'm curious if the mood at the academy changes based on world events. I mean, obviously, 
uh, there's the the conflict that's happening with Russia and Ukraine. You've got the conflict that's happening uh, with Israel and, and Palestine. Do you guys have a sense when things are kind of going crazy and there's some hot spots in the world that, okay, this could become real fast for us? Very much so. There's a sense of that. Um, I mean, when it comes down to it, that's kind of the business of, you know, that's the business we're getting ourselves into. But um, also talking to some teammates who have graduated since, and now they're, you know, kind of the ones like on call for that. That's, that is kind of what they're preparing for. So it, it is very like, you know, present, I guess, people's minds. How about the uniforms? For the uh, for the game, do you guys get pretty fired up when they do the big uniform reveal a couple of weeks out, or do you even care? Yeah, everybody gets really excited for it. They bring us all together and like have a team meeting, and then we watch like the like release video, and some guy <laughs> comes in wearing it. And it's a pretty big deal. It's cool, and everybody likes it. I'm always surprised. Like each year, it's always better than the last, in my opinion. Like I like them all. And and this year's the all navy, right? Yes, yeah, the submarine uh, force, and it's like really dark blue. Yeah, it's uh, it's great stuff. Just a couple of minutes left with uh, Clay Cromwell. So I did one of your games earlier this year, the uh, the game at Charlotte, and when we talked to Coach Newberry before the game, we were talking about you, and he's like, I, I guess he's going to go. He's hurt. He's been hurt since the beginning of the year, but he just kind of keeps going out there. Have you done that week after week? Because you played in every game. Uh, you've been banged up since the very beginning of the season. You're not exactly playing a position at defensive tackle where you just kind of get to take it easy. I mean, it's it's a grind. Have you done it each week? Uh, I think it's more like a, a mindset you take to approaching it, not letting something you know like that limit you. And you know, the the trainers and stuff obviously do a great job of like helping me be able to play every week. Uh, I can't say enough for them. I spend a lot of time in the training room, but. Um, I, you know, when else am I going to have opportunities like this? So I'm certainly not going to let something like that keep me out. That's just not going to happen. They, they would have to, uh, like, cut your leg off to keep you out of this one, right? And then you, you'd figure out a way to go in still. Yeah, that's not even a, a question, not even a thought. So It's uh, it's incredible. Clay, um, thank you for your service. Thanks for your time this morning. And uh, go Navy. Yes, sir. Beat Army. Thank you. So that was Clay Cromwell. Uh, fun visit with him early this uh, this morning. He's uh, he's a serious guy, uh, but also a really good player. I, I guess you've got to be a serious guy to to some degree. I, I don't think. I, how many class camp clowns are there in the, the military? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, great dude. Great dude. He's had a really really good season for Navy. This is his final football game, and uh, he's going to join the Marine Corps as an officer shortly uh, shortly thereafter. Um, Borky, I know you had, didn't you have a friend? Very close friend played at West Point, so look out. Yeah. So you're on the, uh, the go army beat Navy side of things? Every time. Yeah. Whatever. They are, uh, they are the best that this country has to offer and there's no alternative debate to that. Yeah. And, and the daily schedule that those guys go through is, I mean, it's an 18 hour a day schedule. They put their head on the pillow at about midnight and they wake up about five thirty or six every morning and. They don't really stop much from the time they get up until the time they go to bed at night. Sports Talk Mississippi. Clay Cromwell joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Sports Talk Mississippi.
on Super Talk Mississippi. Love the responses after we talk about the Army Navy game. Somebody said, "Hey, enjoy the interview. Best wishes to Cromwell in his career." But you got it wrong. Go Army, beat Navy. We get one that uh, says, uh, "Michael, the United States Air Force is the best." Lucas says, "Go Army, beat Navy." Well, what I meant was the service academy guys yeah, in in general. Lou, Lou, uh, but the, to the texter, loop them in as well. They absolutely apply. I mean, Citadel cadets as well. I mean, you've got not just three military academies, but it, that's the best that yeah doesn't get better than them. Kelso in Ocean Springs says, go Air Force. If you're a fan of the Air Force Academy, do you just kind of roll your eyes when Army-Navy rolls around every year? <laughs> you're like, I mean, why is that the one that's such a big deal? We've had the better football team. Because uh, they didn't invent invent flying until later on, you know. They've been playing they've been playing this game for thirty years when the Air Force was invented. It's uh it is that that's reasonable. That is reasonable. I know we've done this before. I, I am curious though, in terms of bucket list items, where does Army Navy rank on your I've got to do that one day list? It's on there. It's definitely on there. Like it's, it's just in terms list? of college football. Yeah. Number one. Number one, really? I, I've been fortunate enough to go to the Masters, but still it would be number one with or without that on the list. I mean, I don't want to go to just any Super Bowl, you know? So I can't say the Saints in the Super Bowl because at this rate it's never going to happen. Uh, again, I should say, never going to happen again. But, Aww. yeah, I think my sports bucket list is Army-Navy number one, easily. If it's not the top for me, it's near the top. And it's something that I want to do with my son. I, I want to take Obi to Army-Navy. I can't decide where I want to go. The, the, the note about, by the way, I know I sounded like a moron when I said the Meadowlands in Boston. My apologies. Borky was like, what's wrong? I was like, did you hear what I just said? I was like, an idiot. Gillette Stadium, Meadowlands, obviously, is New York, New Jersey. I, I, I'm, I'm well aware. Um, Do you think he could name one Taylor Swift song? Do you think yes. he knows one? Yeah. Because yes. he struck me as... Everybody knows one. Uh, blank space, right? There you go. Yeah. You know one. I know Shake It Off. Any hero. You just want to go on and on and on. I mean, we could. I suppose so. I, I'm, I, you, I may be running out at that point, after those three. <laughs> Has anybody benefited from that relationship more than Brittany Mahomes, by the way? Yes, she's had a complete, like, people hated her now that she's okay because she's that, friends with Tay-Tay. Yeah, now they can't hate her because Taylor Swift somehow tolerates her, which is a remarkable I'm going to, accomplishment. Uh, I'm going to recreate the Taylor Swift uh, person of the year shoot with our super tall background here. I'm going to bring my cat Baloo up here. 
and uh, get some photos taken. I, I won't wear the black unitard, though, that she's wearing. With the... <laughs> you should. You're... No, I don't think they make that in, in a 64 extra fat. Did did I see a quote or was it made up where she was like, I never knew what I was missing out with football all these time all this time. This is so much fun. So I haven't seen this clip, but I heard about it on a podcast. She's one of us. So uh, the Chiefs game this past weekend, evidently, uh they 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 missed a, a touchdown or something and they caught her on camera going like, I am going to kill myself. She was just so mad that I was like, One of us! One of us! She might she, have been. She threw another word in there that I can't say here on the air, but, uh, but you're smart enough; you can it figure anymore. it out. Yeah, she's locked in. Does she remain a fan? If that's the great question, not right? if, buddy. There, there ain't no if. Oh, hold on, hold on. If, if she ends maybe, up maybe. with a blank space somewhere down the line, um, maybe, and, and, maybe this is there, maybe this is gonna work. Why do you? Why do you say there's no? Because he's a cynic. They're going to break up. Everybody knows it. What if they don't? They will. But what if, but what they, if don't? they don't? I, then her music's going to take a hit. We need a breakup. Nah. We need she's got enough catalog themed, at this point. We need football-themed breakup songs. Personal foul. Incomplete. Incomplete. <laughs> I mean, that is a great name for a song about breaking up with a guy who catches passes. We need that. The Swifties need that. Is she more likely to leave him if his star continues to grow or if he becomes less relevant on the field? Well, he, 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 he can't. His star can only go so far because he can never be more famous than her. It's not physically possible for no, him no, to be I'm more famous than her. Like, I mean, like, as long as he's a football star, it's good. But if, like, his skills begin to diminish, is he less appealing? I, I don't know. We've lost it. No, I, I disagree. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. 5 o'clock hour coming up, college football fix. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi, 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock hour, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Sports Talk, Mississippi, in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort, home of nonstop entertainment. Just check them out online at Pearl River Resort. Keep up with all that's happening on the live events category or calendar. You know that uh, you've got great dining options, whether it's Philip M's or Mama and M. Or Haydad, last time, how I just combined that into one restaurant. Philip's. Philip and M's. Yeah. Uh, you got the, the poker tournaments that are happening all the time. You got the sports book. You got the golf. You got the water park in the summer. So much going on. Love our friends at Pearl River Resort. We also, love our friends at Seaspire. 
Well, they bring you the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. That's the best way for you to be a part of the conversation. Not a part from the conversation, but a part of the conversation. Connect and protect, that's the plan from C Spire that you want if you are a parent. It's the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at cspire.com. C Spire, customer inspired. Let's jump into Philip it. Philip and M's is home of the uh it's home of the chicken fried tomahawk ribeye. With cornbread on the side. Heck yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Even for a guy that doesn't love cornbread, that doesn't sound bad. I'd eat it. I'd try it. College football fix. It's driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. That's where the holiday sales event is happening. You know, it's your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Great savings, regardless of the Ford vehicle that you are looking for. You can test drive one today. So we talked transfer portal for Mississippi State earlier and coaches and all those things. What about on the the Ole Miss side of things? Corky, it appears as if there is a lot of activity that is either happening or is close to happening for Ole Miss. Yeah, so Kiffin's been all over the country. And, I've been uh, everywhere, man. I know, right? It's um, And it sounds like, if you believe the tweets and emojis, so Pete Golding uses social media the right way, because he doesn't use it, unless they get a commitment and he puts a little right, shark emoji. Kind of and so he did that earlier today. I haven't seen exactly who it is yet, but so the ball is going to start rolling for Ole Miss and portal commitments. They've... Again, Kiffin's been all over the country meeting with guys, I mean, everywhere, from South Carolina to Indiana to um, apparently College Station, Texas today. Uh, or at least that's what the uh, the pictures indicate. So they, they've been everywhere and a lot of defensive guys thereafter. And, again, we'll see who, who this guy is. But they've been in on Chris Paul Jr. We've talked about him a good bit. think he's supposed to be visiting this weekend. Arkansas linebacker, highly, highly productive, talented, good linebacker. Locking him down would be very important. Uh, They were initially not in the mix for Juice Wells from South Carolina, or at least that's how it was reported. Turns out that uh, they're certainly trying, and and he's receiving that effort. Hasn't scheduled a visit yet, but they are working on that. A lot of moving parts in the portal era, but um, they are on commitment watch. So either, I think Key Lawrence, defense back from Oklahoma, or Chris Paul Jr. would be one of the two that I think will be making that commitment here very, very shortly. One of those two is what I would expect. And then, so so that's transfer portal guys. Yes. But the crazy thing about where we are, and Haydad pointed out earlier, we're 13 days from National Signing Day, is you've also got the high school recruiting piece that's going on. And while... So much of the focus for Ole Miss seems to be on transfer portal. That's kind of how Lane Kiffin has branded it. It feels like they're doing a better job in high school recruiting this year, and they've made it more of a priority this year than in recent years. And I think a couple of the national guys this afternoon have, was it crystal ball? Is that what they do when they predict somebody's going somewhere? Yep. Because everything's got to have a moniker. So, Kiwan Lacey out of uh, Lancaster, Texas, is a pretty highly thought of running back. I think four-star running back. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a lot of people that think that 
Ole Miss is where he is going to end up. Yeah, he's getting the, the national crystal balls and stuff. And I'm sorry, I, I don't know if you guys can hear this. One of the computers in here is losing its absolute mind right now. Uh, like, it, it might explode with how it's acting. So if you hear that, please forgive me. Ooh. Uh, I mean, listen, do you hear Let that? Let me tweet out that we may see a death here on the show, and uh, we'll see if we can get some listeners in. <laughs> I mean, can you hear that? Is that? Yeah. It's I not as bad as you think it is, but yes, we, okay. yeah, we just looked uh, briefly in the background. So yeah, him, uh, there's a currently committed to Arkansas defensive lineman four-star from Little Rock that they're trying to flip. Some people think he will, some people think he don't. We'll, we'll see, but I mean, the defensive line class especially, because we talked about it, right? What was the difference, the biggest difference between Ole Miss and Georgia? What was the biggest difference? It was the lines of scrimmage. Um, they have four, four, or five-star defensive linemen committed to them at the moment, and they're still trying to add more. So the the high school class, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is... I mean, that computer really is getting after it. It's unbelievable. And there's nothing I can do about it. It's one of the computers that is not impacting like what I'm doing. It's not one of my computers. It's one of the computers that keeps us um, like on the air, on this tower. And so... Seems important. You would think. It's slowing down a little bit. But yeah, the, the high school recruiting, Pete Golding came in and, and obviously... And what's funny is that the class, you'll get a few more additions, but they've had these guys locked up for a while. The defensive line class at Ole Miss has been committed to Ole Miss for some time. And there's no drama at all. I mean, it was it three, four stars and a five star on the defensive line. And they all committed early and there's no drama. That is very atypical of recruiting of the past. Hey, Dad, how is this... Um... Braylon Stonka Burnside thing going to play out. I, I obviously, if you're Mississippi State, you would prefer to have him committed and never having decommitted. Ole Miss believes that they are in it. In fact, there were a lot of people that thought that that was almost a, a done deal. Jeff Levy comes in. Sounds like he's coming in this weekend as part of the the group making. Is it official visits or he's just going to be on campus? I, I I don't know. This is official visits. This is official visits. And and so the peer pressure will be will be strong uh, this weekend. How does it play out? I, I think he ends up at Mississippi State. Uh, he is a guy who's one of those. He's going to sign in the early period, but he's not going to make it public until January when he's at the uh, I believe the U.S. Army All American Game or the Under Armour All American Game, whichever one he's at. So State had a situation like this a few years ago with Deontay Anderson, where. If you read the message boards and you, you listen to people like me, it was like, he, you just calm down. He'll be all right. He's, he, it's done. So it'll be one of those things where you know that he's signed, but nothing, state won't release anything on signing day about him. Or if it's Ole Miss, they won't release anything on signing day about him because he wants to make that big reveal at the All-Star game. But I expect him to be in the class for Mississippi State at this point. You're right, though, that a couple of weeks ago, he was headed to Ole Miss. Yeah. What are the chances that he signs, but it stays a secret? Giving well, I mean, like I said, pe- in the sun. people, there there will be no public announcement from Mississippi State. There will be no public That's announcement not what I'm from. Are people going to know? People are going to know. But it's going to be, you know, like, y'all can rest. It's okay. Because some people will lose their minds when they don't see the graphic on signing day. But there's not going to be one. It's just going to be, you need to listen to people like myself, like Steve Robertson, like Paul Jones. They're, they're going to tell you the truth about... Hey, it's, if they say, hey, it's, it's okay, don't worry about it, you, you don't have to worry about it. Now, if I come in here and say, you need to worry about it, then you need to worry about it. Okay. 
What if I tell you you need to worry about it? Are you going to believe me? I don't No, I wouldn't. I might. I might have sourcing. Might be good. You don't. You probably don't. I might. You could. It's a risk you're willing to take. Yes. That's fair. The Walter Nolan thing is interesting. Yeah. So I mean, if you're, you're talking about the number one player from the 22 signing class, is that right? 2022. Number one player in the country. Two years ago, yeah. Yeah. And Ole Miss appears to be in the conversation, in the mix, in the running, with a chance. I, I don't know. Describe it however you want. That's significant. Yeah, especially if, if Lane's tweets are interpreted correctly, and he was it's also expensive visiting the area in which he lives and was visiting him. But that that's the thing, right? Uh, if they are actually in the game on this, and some people are reporting that they are. So if that's true, you would assume, because one plus one equals two most of the time, that they are financially competitive with the others. If he's listening to you, it means you can give him what he wants, right? That's a lot of money. A lot of money. And if Ole Miss has that kind of money to give to this guy, that's huge on many levels. Because everybody in the world wants this guy on their team. Yeah. So if he's listening to you, that, that means you have something that he's willing to listen to. Sports Talk Mississippi. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We're back right after this. Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Rolling on with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday afternoon. Hey, how much longer till it's not dark at 20 minutes after 5? How much longer do we have to wait until we get back on normal real person time again? A couple more months. Like three months. Ugh. Four, I guess. It goes into March, right? I mean, it's December. Yeah. So, speaking of line when playing. does the time... <laughs> change again just march 10th okay all right then daylight savings time will be back can't wait sorry go ahead borky oh it's fine the you brought up the high school recruiting component and and they're doing well and, and all that and that's important don't get me wrong signing good defensive linemen is very very important um but the impact that those guys will have on next year's team you shouldn't expect to be super high. Now, I'm sure at least a couple of them will play uh, because guys that rated are rated that high for a reason. But offensive line, I think, is the most important thing that they signed this offseason. Portal offensive linemen, not high school offensive linemen, portal guys. Because, look, they won 10 games, and, and that's really, really good. I mean, again, number eight in the country in total access bowls, 
28 regular season wins in three years, which is only bested by Alabama and Georgia in that stretch. Like, all of that is really, really good. But their ceiling was about that because of line play, most especially offensive line. And they got an injury or two, and it really got exposed uh, as the season was coming down to the wire. I mean, they won the Egg Bowl on defense. They beat Arkansas on defense. They beat Auburn, really, on defense. That That is something, and it's, it's not like they're not working on it, but everybody's excited about you know the possibility of Wells, and, and that's great because he's a great player, and if they get him, that's awesome. But if, if I were an Ole Miss fan listening to this right now, I would be really curious as to who they get on the offensive line and, and how impactful they can be. That, to me, is the arrows pointing, underline, double-circled, can they improve on the offensive line? Because if that answer is no, if they don't, then you can have Juice Wells, and, and you can keep Judkins, and, and you can do all this other stuff, but you will have a lower ceiling than you should with how much you have coming back if you don't improve there. I mean, they've already had a former Southern Miss or soon-to-be former Southern Miss lineman in. Kiffin went to Indiana, presumably to visit the tackle from Indiana. So they're working on it. But that's the most important thing. And not enough people are talking about how great or important or bad the prospects of that is. Nobody's really talking about that. And to me, that's the most important thing that they have to do, and they have to do that right now. High school recruiting classes are great, but you need to portal linemen now because you, you need them to play now. Yeah, I get that. And, and in a perfect world, it's a mix, right? I mean, you're bringing in guys that can play now, but you also are building depth, you hope, and developing the future. Offensive line is kind of, excuse me, it's kind of an interesting group in the transfer portal because you don't have as many offensive linemen getting in. And the ones that do are expensive. The ones that, that get in and are good are really expensive. So if you can bring in stars out of high school and they either play early or they feel good about the development process knowing that they're going to play in their second year, then you, um, you're you okay with that, right? But it's hard to hold on to them too. So, Yeah, but that that's the thing. I mean, the, the injuries... Are, any injuries on the offensive line are, are going to highlight issues, but even before the injuries, th- there were issues there. There, I mean, you, you want to go all the way back to earlier in the season, Tulane whipped them up front. Whipped them. They've got to get better there. Yeah, they do. Somebody on the ceasefire text line says, go all in on Nolan knowing he can't transfer again without sitting out. Um, you, wh- Whatever you do with Walter Nolan, it's for one year. Right? He's played the last yeah, two years he'll be, Texas he'll be gone next He's year. a one-year guy. Yes. Yeah. He, he will be, wherever he ends up, he will be there for one calendar year, not even a full calendar year. And then he will move on to play professional football. And that's the kind of guy that they were missing this year. Like, they're getting Pegues back, and that's good. I mean, he's, he's a, you can win games with guys like J.J. Pegues, a lot of games. That defensive line had a lot of good role players on it. 
Cedric Johnson is is a good role player. He might end up on an NFL roster. You know, Jared Ivey, same thing. Ukwu, same thing. The guys that are solid that that can win games and they do the right thing on and off the field and and all that. But that defensive line last year was missing a a guy that you feared that when he lined up across from your guard and he that guard didn't have help, you were scared. As a, as a play caller and a quarterback of what he's going to do to you. almost didn't have that guy this year. That's what this guy is. He's feared. If he lines up across from you, you fear him. They didn't have that last year. So, just going back real quick to, we're saying a second, or to that text a second ago where it said you go all in on Nolan because he can't transfer again. So, yeah, that let, let's stop your you go all in on Nolan. And change the, the second part of that sentence. Hey, Dad, you've always been big on talking about windows, right? Yeah. At Mississippi yeah. State at Ole Miss, there's a window, and it's like, okay, if things trend in the right direction, this is a spot where you should really have a chance to, to make something special happen. Mm-hmm. You want to do that for Ole Miss? And I know it's a little bit different now in the transfer portal era because you can turn a team around in a hurry. Next year... Is that window for Ole Miss? They will have returning a third-year starting quarterback. They will have returning a running back that will be starting for the third year, assuming Quinchon Judkins is back. They've got to add pieces on the offensive and defensive lines, as we've been talking about. They've probably got to add a piece or two at wide receiver. But it's going to be an experienced Ole Miss team with a schedule that's okay. Somebody said, would you guys talk a little bit about Ole Miss's schedule? Yeah, so it leaked, right? I think there were a lot, maybe different places where it leaked, but I saw somebody say that they got a 2024 calendar from the Alumni Association and it had the dates in it. Whoops. Hey, yeah, Is that, that really happened? Is that how I, that leaked? I don't know. I have not seen it. I don't know. Oh, that poor person that works at the Alumni Association. Well, I mean, you got to the... send them out. I mean, we're in December. If you're sending out a 2024 calendar... So here's the schedule for Ole Miss next year. Is this favorable? Furman at home. Sorry, Borky. Yeah, no, that's not favorable. Uh, Middle Tennessee week two. With their new head coach, Derek Mason. At Wake Forest week three. This is not Wake Forest from two years ago with Sam Hartman. It is not. Georgia Southern week four. So Ole Miss should start the year 4-0. That's their all their non-conference games. Unfortunate scheduling work compared to a year ago. Well, I, I guess a season ago, we're still in that year where they got ULM before the Egg Bowl. Yeah, not going to be that way this year. Kentucky is the first SEC game on September 28th. The following weekend, they go to South Carolina. Then they go to LSU. Then it's an open date. Oklahoma at home. At Arkansas. Georgia at home. Open date. And then two games in five days to close out, close out the year at Florida, home for Mississippi State. I have not seen a leak of Mississippi State's schedule anywhere. Hey, Dad, I have no idea who the Bulldogs are playing on November 23rd. It is an SEC game. They have the, all the non-conference games scheduled, and the last one is on November 2nd. Okay. So it so will be, will be a an SEC game. game. We would assume or guess that it would be on the road. I'm sorry that it would be at home, 
you wouldn't expect Mississippi State to play back-to-back road, road SEC yeah. games to finish out the year. So you would assume that it's a home game. We'll have to wait and see who the opponent is. Yeah. So that's not an official schedule for Ole Miss, but it's pretty close. I mean, I gave you the home SEC dates last week, and it lines up with that. Certainly sounds official. Now, and, and Thanksgiving Egg Bowl, just says once again. But, I mean, if you look at the everybody's draw, when they announce the opponents, we'll get the full schedules later, that's as good of a schedule as you can ask for now that divisions are gone. I mean, when you look at everybody else in the league and their non-conference games paired with their 4-4 four and four league games, nobody got a real break. Florida, bless their hearts, man. Good goodness what they're going to have to deal with. But for Ole Miss... That's as good of a schedule as you can ask for. I mean, you wish it was Kentucky times two instead of Georgia, but do you see a that. route? Do you see a route to ten and two with that Ole Miss schedule? There is one, absolutely. Yeah. If there's a route to ten and two, then there is a route to being in the twelve team playoff. Period. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, going back to our conversation before the break, I actually had a larger point in the whole that got us to the the schedule that had kind of been leaked for Ole Miss, and it's going back to the to the text about Walter Nolan saying you go all in on him because he can't transfer again, and you've got him for multiple years. And no, that's that's not right. I mean, he's a one year deal, but you do go all in on Walter Nolan if that's an opportunity because the window is now for Ole Miss. For all the reasons that, that we kind of laid out, you've got a schedule that certain, I mean, like by no stretch of the imagination is it easy, but it could be more difficult. Georgia is on it. Alabama is not. This year you had Georgia and Alabama. You do have to go to LSU. You got to figure out, but you get an LSU team without Jaden Daniels. Uh, you know, what, what are they going to look like at quarterback a year ago? You, you got to go to the swamp five days before you play in a rivalry game against Mississippi State. That's not easy by any stretch. But if you've got a really good football team, and especially if you have a mature football team, maybe it's a schedule that you can manage. And we have no idea what the rest of college football is going to look like. You, you do know that 10-2 and two has you in the conversation to be one of the 12 teams that's in the playoff. It is not a guarantee. No. This is an atypical year, though. A 10-win Power 5 team has never finished outside of the top 10. This will be the first year. Yeah. Never. I don't believe so. Regular season. Regular season wins. 10 regular season wins. But, I mean, we had... Going into conference championship game, hey, what was it? Eight teams that were either undefeated or one-loss teams? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 
I mean, it's... You're spot on with that thought about this is the window, go attack it. I mean, it, look, college sports are becoming professional sports. They already are. These guys, the football team, they're pros, man. So you got to start managing it that way, right? And there are very few teams in any professional sport that are just consistently always great, right? I mean, with the brand power and the prestige of the L.A. Lakers, they've had down years, down cycles. They've and that happens in the NFL. Remember the Rams, right? They this was their window: go all in, win a Super Bowl, and deal with the consequences later. Go win right now. And so, a lot of college teams are going to have to uh, use that. Now you've got the Georges of the world and the A and M's of the world who are just have so much money, and they're just going to be able to get the best players. And their window is always that the window at A and M's never going to close as long as money's involved, even though they've underachieved to this point. But you get my point. For a place like Ole Miss that has money and is organized, but they don't have Georgia money or AM money, and that's okay. You have a roster you, that which can means you better be efficient. And now you've got an opportunity. And so if it means next year you have a little less than this year, but you went all in and went for it, go for it. You, you might have to operate in windows at a place like Ole Miss as opposed to a place like Georgia, and that's okay. Go for it when you have the opportunity. Having a quarterback who is starting for a third year used to be rare, but it wasn't unheard of. Right, A guy, either he's a star, doesn't really play much as a freshman, and then he starts for three years, or the rare occasion where a freshman starts for three seasons and goes to the draft. Or maybe the more common scenario, you redshirt a year, you're a backup for a year, and then you, you start for three years. I mean, that was that was the Eli Manning route. Was that Did Dak redshirt his first year, or did he play yes. some? As a, okay, so no. he redshirted and then played a little, and then was a three-year mm-hmm. starter. So that's kind of the more traditional route to it. But in the era that we are in in college football, having a returning third-year starter at quarterback, I don't know how much of that we're going to see. Yeah, you, you, you look around the SEC going into next year, you know, is K.J. Jefferson going to be back at Arkansas? Don't know yet. We don't know yet. He would he would be he'd be a fourth year starter, wouldn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It would be his fourth year starting at Arkansas if it turned out to be the case. Tennessee's going to have a new starter. Florida's probably going to have a new starter. Well, Mertz announced he was coming back. Okay. So I'll have a second-year guy in Graham Mertz, who's been in college football seemingly forever. LSU's going to have a new starter. Mississippi State's going to have a new starter. South Carolina's going to have a new starter. Kentucky's going to have a new starter. Alabama will have a second-year player in Jalen Milrow coming back. We, it, it, Does it feel like Georgia's kind of gotten things worked out and Carson Beck's going to be back? Yeah. I said the top three Heisman candidates are all SEC quarterbacks next year, in my opinion. Milrow, Beck, and yours. 
Ewers is going to be back. He'll be a third-year starter at Texas. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma will have – I'm sorry. I was going through the SEC teams, and I am not yet used to including Texas and Oklahoma in that equation. I had somebody send me yet. like one of those, here's all the SEC coaches. What do you think about this? And I was like, you left two out. Just go ahead and put them in. Because we're there now. Yeah. Love it. We we are there now. It is uh, whew, crazy. It's fun. It's yeah. different. I mean, there, there's something that is fun about the new. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that are afraid of change. My my, it took me years to get my dad to try something other than a Yingling. Like the when the beer. <laughs> I mean, I like Yingling. Don't get me wrong. Hey, Dad, I really want you to go out on a limb here. There's this new thing called Miller Lite. Give it a try. I mean, and his response would be, well, I like this one, so why would I try the other one? I might not like that one. I, I Me and your dad would be friends. Sound I mean, We logic. would be buddies. There's no question about it. But That's I, how I am. I finally got him to try some, some different beer, and he's like, hey, actually, this is pretty good, too, and he's adapted to change. I don't know. People don't like change either, and so... Uh, I was talking to somebody this morning, just a, a college football fan, guy that watches every game, all that. He's, you know, not on Twitter all day, so he doesn't keep up with the portal news. And he's like, "It's it's a lot. It's overwhelming." And that's true. It is a lot. It needs to be reined in some. But I like portal recruiting more than high school recruiting because it's transactional. It makes it easier to digest, doesn't it? Everybody hates the the portal and how awful it is, but uh, isn't this way better than the 16-year-old's girlfriend got a letter today from the coaches? I mean, that's this is so much less ridiculous than high school recruiting, frankly. It's very transactional. If Dylan Gabriel shows up at Mississippi State on Monday, what's the conversation? Ooh. What is it? Hey, Dad. Uh, it's a lot of excitement here in Starkville, I would think. And, and what's the conversation that Lebby has with him? Here's how you fit my system. You know that. Here's my wide receivers that I've got for you. You know that. And Charlie's got this much for you at the collective. Oh, I'm sorry. Coaches aren't allowed to have those conversations. Let's be real. That's the, that's the recruiting for Dylan Gabriel, though. Here's how you fit. Here's your weapons. Here's your money. High school recruiting is go have... Go go and make friends with mom and uncle and girlfriend and brother and uh, did you say, did I get enough love on Instagram and which fan base uh, all that stuff that's all high school recruiting this is transaction it's how much money and how do you fit don't you think it's easier to digest this than old high school recruiting. Where a dude shows up on signing day wearing a red and blue shirt because he's signing with Ole Miss, but mom wouldn't sign the papers and so made him go to LSU? Well, it's all it has changed the high school recruiting in terms of relationship building because just because you finish second or third for a kid doesn't mean it's necessarily over, right? I mean, there, there's no burning bridges anymore. You know, there's, there's no, well, he went to school X, so screw him. Yeah, because you I, don't know what's what's down the line. 
I know everybody hates this. I understand. And and I'm not going to change your mind. But there is something that I enjoy about how this goes compared to high school recruiting. I, I just I think this is easier as a fan to consume, a fan of the sport. Juice Wells hit the portal because there's a better place for him. How much is he going to cost and how does he fit? It's just such an easier conversation to me than who does mom like more. Speaking of transfer portal, tough break for the Florida Gators. So... ETN entered the transfer portal today. Hey. Mm. You can start that countdown clock. Start brushing up the resume for Billy Napier. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll wrap it up with you coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. So Michigan trying to work out a deal with Jim Harbaugh to stay as the head coach. $11 million a year for five years? Is this again a deal where the uh, president of the university is negotiating the contract as opposed to the athletics director, or have he and Ward Manuel smoothed things over? And, Borky, this is, this is accurate that the hurdle is... That is a being reported in yeah. writing from Jim Harbaugh that he will not pursue an NFL job in this coaching cycle. And if that's the hang-up, what does that tell you? Saw his name pop for the Bears job and one other one yesterday. Well, the Panthers are going to come open. Um, barring uh, a crazy turnaround at the end of the year, New Orleans is going to come open. I mean, it, it's the NFL. Jobs come open all the time. So, I mean, if you were Harbaugh, though, honestly, wouldn't you? I mean, he got suspended the first few weeks of the season because of the NCAA's ridiculous rules, and then this scandal that's not over yet, mind you. Wouldn't you go if you could? Yeah, probably so. Hey, Dad, some uh, some cool Mississippi State news today. I had not seen this. I, uh, it's on State's website. So the podcast that Joel Coleman and Logan Lowry do, they had, I, I know, it's another Mississippi State couple podcast. of jabronis there. Come on now. Friends of a couple yours. couple small-timers. So they had Jim Ellis as a guest and broke the news to him that he is being inducted into the Ron yeah. Polk Ring of Honor. Yeah, really cool. And, I mean, no one more deserving to be. I mean, when you think about the history and the greatness of Mississippi State baseball, Jim Ellis is a huge, huge part of that. So that's very cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just saw that. I missed it. Um, we're a little bit of a, a little bit of a quiet time in terms yeah. of basketball. Mississippi State will next play on Saturday in Atlanta. 
part of Holiday Hoops Giving, they are uh, playing Tulane. Yeah. You don't like the name? I thought the news of the day. It's all right. I thought the news of the day, this is what made me laugh, was uh, they released the all-freshman, the the freshman all-SEC team today. First-team quarterback, Chris Parson. Threw for 103 yards, no touchdowns, and three picks. Did no other quarterbacks play that were freshmen this year in the was, SEC? Was Not he the one? only freshman that played? He may have in the been SEC? the only one. Yeah, uh, I was like, I like his future, but gosh, what a resume thing! First team freshman, all this. Oh, he must have been great. The, yeah. the rest of the all freshman team: Chris Parson at quarterback, Cedric Alexander at running back from Vanderbilt, Ruben Owens at running back from Texas A&M. The wide receivers were Eugene Wilson from Florida and London Humphreys from uh, Vanderbilt. Humphreys, who is reportedly on his way to Georgia, or at least they are the uh, the favorite. Uh, Caden Proctor on the offensive line from Alabama. Don Terry Russell, a defensive lineman from Mississippi State, made the fre- all-SEC freshman team. Santarian Perkins, Played six games. linebacker for Ole Miss. Can play a ton. I think what this this is telling us, by the way, other than Perkins, you know, but even he wasn't a, a full time starter. Is with the portal, there's just fewer freshmen playing these days, which is crazy because I mean, that's what leads to people going into the portal. Isn't the biggest name on this list Caden Proctor, the offensive lineman at Alabama? <laughs> Ryan Might Brown be, talked yeah. to us yesterday. Caleb Downs, I guess, is on that list, but you know, uh, got to be on the defense. Yes, Caleb Downs at Alabama is on the list as well. Yeah, he, he's he's a star, but really, really good player there. Um, yeah. other, another linebacker at Texas A&M, Tarian York, freshman, good player. So, uh, Raylan Wilson at Georgia, that's that's one that I guess stands out a little bit yeah. as well. Yeah. But, yeah, the SEC all-freshman team in football, that's, that is – it looks different than it has. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah. there was not a skill position player like Quinshawn Judkins from last year. Right, yeah, Judkins would have been on it last year, so yeah. Yeah. So, uh, quiet on the hoops front until Saturday for Mississippi State, Sunday for Ole Miss. Rebels will be at UCF on uh, Sunday afternoon for a true road game there in Mississippi State. Did that, that re- 10.30 Central Time tip-off for that game on Saturday? For yeah, it's early. Because yeah, this is part of a doubleheader. Yeah, eleven thirty in the uh, the east. Uh, hey, Dad and Borky will have you tomorrow. I will be traveling. I've got uh, got. Shut up! Imagine that a little basketball doubleheader in South Florida on Saturday. I'm off next Friday. I can't say anything. There you go. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. Hope you enjoy your evening. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studio, I'm Richard Cross. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.